Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And in fact, the intro was a bit of a lie. Misnomer, we're not coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. We're coming to you from the Diocese, the Archdiocese, rather, of Dubuque. Strike, the renowned noble Archdiocese, Archdiocese of, of Dubuque. Dubuque, Iowa, in Ames, Iowa, hometown of Iowa State University. Go Cyclones. You know, they'll usually let you know if you only call it a diocese. It's oh, they an archdiocese. Will. Yeah, they're, they're usually weird. Get it straight, The Father. archdiocese is usually what they say of a state um, of province. So, Father Shane, you drug me here. Um, what are we doing in Ames? Why are we at the St. Thomas Aquinas Parish Student Center? That's right. The Newman Center here at called, Iowa State. I think it's called Catholic Student Center and Church or something like that. Yeah, I've never understood the title. It's I call it the Newman Center at Iowa yep. State. So, but it's a full STA. parish, too. STA. Why are we here? We are at a brand spanking new activity here. Mm. <laughs> so um, the Knights of Columbus, God bless them, uh, generously approached the four vocation directors of the state of Iowa many months ago, and they said, we have some extra funds. I, you know, I don't think all of their funds typically for cycled events were spent during the pandemic. And they're used to helping out vocations, promotion, seminarian events, things like that. That's right. So... Um, there was an opportunity to kind of say, they came to us and said, well, we've got some extra funds here. What would work well for vocations? And they said, we don't necessarily just want to in, you know, invest in seminarians. Right. Um, could we actually invest in priests to help recruitment efforts in parishes and in schools? Um, that was the discussion that came forward from the, the four vocation directors as an idea of what can we do with priests? Um, and so Father John Shetta, the Archdiocesan Vocation Director, he said, well, given the amount of funds, what if we just invite like four or five priests of every diocese, host a small little conference, mm-hmm. and just have some really fruitful discussions on what it is in parish ministries, Newman Center ministry, school ministry that we can be doing to increase uh, vocations to the priesthood and religious life. And so voila, here we are the first we time. Are. We're in Ames with 20 priests from across all of Iowa, mm-hmm. different age groups, different ministries, uh, just talking about uh, all kinds of things. I mean, I, I think it's been a, a pretty wide-range discussion. We had articles that we read in advance in preparation for this, looking at um, who are we looking for, you know, what type of candidates are, you know, with an awakened heart who actually know Jesus and want to serve in his church. And then how do we actually accompany them all the way to the convent, the monastery, the seminary? Right. How do we accompany them spiritually and with human formation? Yeah, and it's funny what you said, and I don't think you meant to say it, but sometimes people refer to your work as vocation director, my work as a chaplain in high school as recruitment. Right. That's the furthest from the, the truth. We're just trying to walk with men in discipleship and relationship with the Lord Jesus. Right. Through that, hoping that they might be able to hear his call if he's indeed calling them to the life, a life of priesthood. Right. Um, it's not as much a recruitment like a military recruiter yeah. or army recruiter or something. But yeah, I'm not, I don't have a degree in marketing. No, and that's not you what know, we're trying to do. We don't make commercials about this. Right. So it's been it's been good conversation. It's been interesting since we have a range of ages and ministries of the priests. There's a lot of different struggles, but then a lot of different ideas and thoughts that have accompanied the conversations as we've moved along. Mm-hmm. 
and, and the men who are in these parishes serving in Newman centers and schools, they see the changes that young people are going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, young people are not how they were 20 years ago. And so how do we respond uh, not only in helping them to become mature missionary disciples, but how do we actually get them ready for a formation program should they have a religious vocation? And how do pastors actually accompany them to get them to that point? So it's, I think it's been an awesome yeah, conversation. It's fun to surprise the daily mass crowd at St. Thomas Aquinas here with 20 priests <laughs> yeah, 20 on celebration <laughs> that they weren't ready for. Yeah, 21 priests showed up for daily mass just today at STA. Just about as many priests as there were parishioners. Just about. I think. I'm sure that was a little fun. overwhelming. When it's always edifying, praying the of the hours with brother priests, that's been really, mm. really good. Really yeah. appreciated that. Yeah, pastors in you know rural communities don't always get that opportunity, so it's a Absolutely. great gift to be able to pray together as brothers. Mm-hmm. So, listen, listen, here we are. Here we are. Listen. Big topic. Yeah. So, we I've been thinking about this a lot because my friends who are uh, my peers have fallen into this place in their life, and I've been thinking about this a lot. I've talked to a lot of my friends. We've talked about it a few different times, and now it's time to talk about the reality. <clears throat> A fight or flight. This is a big topic, folks. Fasten your chin straps. Fasten your seatbelts. That's right. We've been chewing on this for a lot, and here it comes. Yeah. So, fight or flight in parish life. That's kind of nice. I like that. It's probably the title or something. So, here's the kind of situation that I've just experienced with friends to map out for you. Yeah. So, somebody, hey, we're at Iowa State. We're at St. Thomas Aquinas right now. Right. Somebody goes to St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, Newman Center, Catholic student, campus, parish, life, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And they experience friendship. They experienced discipleship, growth in relationship with Jesus, growth in prayer, um, growth in maybe a liturgical experience of the church, maybe going to some week weekday masses throughout the year, throughout the summer. They experience small groups. They experience um, the life of the church. Then maybe they go to the March for Life, maybe they have their eyes open, maybe they study abroad in some capacity, whatever it is, they develop friendships, they grow in their Catholic identity as a disciple of Jesus, as a beloved son or a beloved daughter. Right. They graduate. Congratulations, graduates. Congratulations to the graduates, pomp and circumstances plain. And then they move. If you could just keep doing that during the episode. We should have pre-recorded that. Because that, that, well, that song always plays for about 14 minutes at every commencement. A huge one like this. I'm sorry Um, to interrupt. So they, they get a job, usually not moving back to a small town in the dioceses that they grew up in. But they get a job in Des Moines, Sioux Falls, Omaha, Kansas City, wherever somewhere somewhere um regionally that's our experience and their choice first of all is to kind of commit to living their christian life in a catholic context and Mm -hmm. going to mass every sunday but the biggest question becomes where do we go where do we go to mass do we commit to the geographic parish in which we live do we seek out a mass that's convenient for our our time um perhaps we seek out our friends who are going to Mass, and we just kind of go wherever we might want? Do we seek out an extraordinary form, the Latin Mass? Do we seek out a Byzantine Mass? Do we seek out a Carmelite Monastery? Uh, Carmelite Monastery, a beautiful church? Do we seek out um, a particular group, perhaps a, like a lay ecclesial movement, like Communion Liberation or something like that? Mm-hmm. Opus Dei, Opus something. Opus Dei, something like that. What, uh, what is the draw to parish life? That's the first question. The second question becomes, wherever we end up going to Mass, if the parish is not 
what we want, if the parish is not what we need. Um, I'm placing myself in these shoes. I'm, I've never been in this position as a priest. Mm-hmm. The question becomes, do we stick it out, stay in the parish that we've planted ourselves in, and, and fight it out, fight the good fight of trying to become involved, trying to share what we've received from our formation in a college environment, in a community? Do we, do we fight that out and try to work toward growth in the community? Or if we just see a lack of fruit, a lack of growth available for an individual, do we run and go to a community in a parish where there is life? Mm-hmm. Here's been the struggle. This is why it's taken a little while to talk about this because my initial intuition was go where you're receiving life because so few young people live a life of discipleship. So many people abandon their faith. Right. So the intuition is, well, yeah, if go where you're fed. If you're not fed at your geographical parish where you land, go find a good community. Well, then what's so obvious is that if all of the faithful young Catholics moving to communities are flocking to one or two parishes, one or two communities, a Carmelite monastery, a Franciscan friary, whatever it might be, then what is building up parish life? Right. Any thoughts on this uh, conundrum of the fight or flight reality of parish life of young adults? About 47. Please share one or two. Well, we, we have a time limit here. We get a lot. Well, of, apparently we don't because no, we, Father John Nepple on. You do Father John you Nepple went a little long. <laughs> I don't think he quite understood the parameters, and I think he was used to doing his own thing That's with right. Catholic stuff you should we know. We kind of gave him a break. Yeah. They, they, they settle in. Usually they record with bourbon in their hands and they go in for the long haul. Um, keeping it concise for your, we, for your, uh, for your treadmill run right now. We get lots of people telling us they love this is like 20, 25 minutes. It fits like their walking time on the treadmill. It fits like their commute to work. Well, we're wasting our time now. So here we go. Here we go. <laughs> um, well, let me first just say father Travis, that this is not just like a pie in the sky, you know, topic that you and I just kind of cooked up out of nowhere. We have been chewing on this with young adults across the Midwest for you know, a couple of years now. Yeah. People have been coming to us and say, you know, I, you know, I'm just not being fed. And so you have to be very careful and you have to discern very deeply. Is this just a consumer mentality where I just want to go to the parish where my needs are being met and I'm not really interested in what I can give back to the community, how I can build up this community of faith, or perhaps even just acknowledge how did the Holy Spirit land me here in this particular church, this particular parish in the first place? Am I supposed to be rooted here and struggle through it and be a catalyst for change? So we have to be very careful about um, consumeristic mentality and just shopping around as Americans tend to do. For the prettiest music, the prettiest yeah. church, the, the most quote-unquote reverent liturgy, whatever that might be. Right. And with that, we also have to be very careful about, about not chasing a, a celebrity pastor. Mm. You know, especially in a metropolitan area where he might move around, right? Yeah, like that priest is so dreamy. He's got the best homilies. Well, okay, is that really where Jesus wants you? Is there another community that you're supposed to be building up? You know, if you're a young adult, is there another community where you might potentially meet your future spouse? Um, are there opportunities for you to grow and give back? So we have to be very careful and, and enter into this with with thoughtful discernment of spirits. Um, what what spirit is speaking, you know, if there's this struggle internally to say, fight here and help bear fruit and be part of the solution or flee, mm-hmm. you know, if this is a toxic environment. Um, so my first thought, you know, in terms of a practical step is 
to sit back and go to prayer. Why am I here in the first place? You know, what led me here? Is it the is it the parish that just happens to be down the block from my apartment or my home? Um, did someone recommend this parish? Do my do my ancestors belong to this parish? Right. Previous generations of the family. Why am I here? And might the Lord be speaking into that for some reason? Um, but then I would also I would also say you know coming into that question, what can I give? Mm-hmm. What can I give? Is do and do I see a need? Um, and can I go to the pastor and say, hey, there's no like young adult ministry going on here. You know, can I be a catalyst for change? And can I can I run with that, uh, Father Pastor? Do you mind if I start a Bible study? Uh, Father Pastor, is there anyone doing any ministry to the homeless, like sitting on the front steps of the church that everyone consistently just walks by on Sunday morning? Uh, Father Pastor, you know, um, you know, is, do you need help with the youth group? Do you need some mentors for your teens that uh, adults can be involved with, with small group discussions or, or discipleship models of faith formation or whatever? So I, I think those questions have to be asked. I'm here. Where can I make a difference? Um is the pastor, you know, praying that someone like me might show up and help him with some of his identified needs? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I just want to take one step backwards first. Okay. Because with that, what can I give is just this quick understanding of well, what is a parish. It's confusing because we live in such a non-Catholic Christian Protestant environment that it's just a very foreign word. What's a, par- a parish? Mm-hmm. And so often because our limited experience of the universal Catholic church is just our parish. We don't often see it in the context of a diocese, right? So every diocese in our world has a bishop who's the pastor of that local area and all of the people who are there. Mm -hmm. Parishes then are run by pastors, which are priests who have the job, the role as pastor, shepherd of the people in that particular area. And it's all of that is an extension of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So we're all the mystical body of Christ by virtue of our baptism, but we're not meant to just be this amorphous mob of the body of Christ throughout the world, the people of God. We're called into particular communities where we're at the body of Christ led by the body of Christ, the head or the of Christ, the head who is the pastor and in a diocese is the bishop. Right. right? So parishes are a reality um, that help us understand who we are in virtue of our baptism. Right. So they're not they're not just random uh, smatterings of churches that have just been built in neighborhoods um, because it's where people lived. That might be how they came about. But there's a there's a theology of ecclesiology, the theology of the church that underlies what these communities are. Yeah, it's not just franchises of Catholic Inc. Incorporated. You know, right. like there's and it's interesting because the way Protestants speak of like church plants. In some ways, that happened years ago when when a group of faithful Catholics immigrated to this country, where they landed, that became a parish. Right. Um, and there has been a, a, a living reality of the body of Christ that's present there. So yes. if you find yourself in a parish, it's like you become more of the body of Christ and you become who you are as a child of God, living as a member of the body of Christ in a parish. Right. So that's why it's important. Like that's It's not just for the sake of having a, an envelope with your name on it to give money to the church. Yeah. It's or so I have to go under- get my spiritual fix today. Where, where's the nearest franchise office? Right. Yeah. It's a little deeper than that. Mm-hmm. But as I, I was saying, I think if you find yourself there, I think there is kind of a, an obligation morally to, to discern that. Why am I here? How did I end up here? And how can I make a difference? 
what does this parish have to offer me if I'm not going to judge the book by its cover? Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe this isn't my preferred style of music at this church. Maybe the maybe the priest, you know, isn't the world's greatest homilist. Uh, the sacraments are still being celebrated. There, there is a there's an established tradition of faith here. There's a people of God with a, a stake in the ground, literally, by saying this church stands for the true faith. Um, why am I here, and how how, how is it going to impact me? And if I'm not going to judge the book by its cover, how do I let that impact me and receive something here? And that has to be discerned and not dismissed very quickly. Absolutely. So it seems like the first step. Whether you're in a city, whether you're in a small community, and you live somewhere, you are within a parish boundary. Right. So the first discernment really does need to be, how am I called to be part of this parish? Um, that's the first question that needs to happen. That can't just be ignored. Um, and I think there can be some some wiggle room there with with people who just moved to a to an area. I mean, you have to learn where this area is and maybe what you what parish boundary you live in. If you live in a city, there might be a lot of parishes. You might be right on kind of the border and parish boundaries aren't always acknowledged as strictly as they were in the past, but the parishes that are close to where you live Mm -hmm. um, to acknowledge that. But then I think the next step in discernment comes in looking at how is my involvement? How is my engagement in the parish life? First of all, and how is that engagement and involvement bearing fruit in my life or bearing fruit in the parish? So it, it necessitates an involvement and an engagement beyond just showing up to Sunday Mass. Right. This is where I want to make a quick appeal. We made this the other night when we gave a talk at St. Michael's in Sioux City. Mm -hmm. Talked to a friend who gave us a lot of fodder for this conversation who said she was at a parish in a city for three years where she was committing to her local parish where she lived. Good for her. And in those three years, she's a single young adult. She, She went to Mass every single Sunday, went to a lot of other stuff, went to other events. No one ever spoke to her. Mm. Uh, no one. Uh, <laughs> that's probably how it felt yeah. in her interior life. Probably worse. And she made a great point that she wasn't craving that attention because she had kind of communion and circles of community <laughs> in her life. But she just noted that um, this parish that she was committing herself to and en- being engaged and involved in the life of the parish, not one person who sh- surely there were people who recognized this young woman was after there. three years, a Surely. single young adult coming alone. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Someone noticed. No one approached to even say hello. Mm. So that's the discernment of the parish side. If you find yourself in a parish where you people might be moving there, whether a small town or a city, um, how are you encouraging that involvement and inviting that engagement? Um, but then the discernment continues. If you are giving of yourself and if you've given like, legitimate time. So this woman I was talking to, she's there for three years. And as she was involved, as she was engaged, she recognized that fruit was not being born through the engagement she was offering. And that the particular pastor in the particular community wasn't on board with what she had to offer to the parish. And she wasn't receiving much likewise. Mm-hmm. She made that decision to then step into a parish community where she already had connections, friends, um, involvement, engagement. Um, and to, so that discernment led her to, in a certain sense, step away or flee. Um, she had fought it out first um, and then stepped away. You know, we, we are obviously speaking as priests, mm-hmm. um, and we have to acknowledge that, you know, some of our brothers 
aren't always the most receptive to new ideas. They're not always more, more receptive to the um, inconvenience or the adjustments that are necessary to move and think outside the box and not always do things the way that we've always done them. And it's not only priests. That could be the whole parish staff. That could be all the parishioners. You know, We've always done the roast beef dinner just like this. Back mm-hmm. off, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've always ushered in this way. Right. Um, we only do funeral luncheons like this, so you have no, I mean, there's nobody new can come in. Right. Right. Um, so uh, kudos to this woman who really tried to fight it out, tried to make an offering. And if that just wasn't received, uh, and if she was really you know, praying about this and, and, and no one was receptive, uh, now that always has to be discerned within the church, right? Like if you're trying to offer something weird that the church doesn't need, <laughs> you right. know, like, Father, I just want to start an automotive class in the church basement. Huh. Well, right. that's not really our mission. Right. You know, there are tech schools that can serve to help you become a mechanic. <laughs> Bible studies, small groups. Right. Things that uh, are actually catechesis. Things that are, right. yeah, things are churchy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, if you're trying to advance an authentic mission of the parish within the vision of the church, and that's not being received, and you've really taken this to prayer, uh, yeah. Then I would I would advise people uh, to leave, right? And that and that can be harsh, um, but but mm-hmm. when, when we're getting really serious about evangelization, priests, deacons, parish leaders, lay faithful, we have to have the humility to say, if people are not being fed, they're going to leave, and that needs to wake us up. Because yeah. if we're not receptive to those who are legit, and this is where it comes. If I'm talking to you, young adults who are listening who are legitimately engaging and being involved in their parish life. If that person has stepped into that place and has been engaged and are, are, are not being received or nur- nourished, then they're going to step away. Right. That needs to wake us up to realize that, first of all, we need to be looking for these people. If we're the parishioners in the pews, we need to be inviting them to that engagement. Um, we need to be fostering a parish where people can grow. Right. Yeah. And so rather than being afraid of that and threatened by that, that should be the impetus for excitement. Yeah. To say, wow, what if our parish was be welcoming every young adult who wanted to make a contribution? What if our parish actually wanted to think with a more imaginative capacity about what ministries and engagement the whole civic community could be touched by through our parish, you know, zeal? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's an oppor- that doesn't have to be you know threatening. It's a great opportunity for renewal. Absolutely. You know? Give me a couple two minutes to make just two last comments here Go as ahead. we wrap up this episode. I do want to say something to the people who find themselves, maybe you've already made that choice to go to the parish with the Latin mass, with the pretty church, with the nice music, the cathedral, if you live in a diocesan see like that. Maybe you just made that decision and you find yourself there. To make the move from consumerism is to become engaged in that community. Mm-hmm. If you've made the decision to make that your parish, become registered parishioners at the parish. Right. Don't just go to the Latin mass because it's Latin mass and you're actually a parishioner's be committed to that parish, tithe with that parish, but just take it beyond the liturgical expression of the parish mm-hmm. and teach catechesis um, in the religious education program. Ask the pastor, talk to the pastor about developing a discipleship group, a small group. A Visit Bible the homebound. Study. Visit the homebound. Yeah. Engage the life of the parish. Don't just receive the nice mass or the devotion that's present there. Yeah, beautiful. Um, the other thing too, I just want to mention about small towns I don't often think people who live in small communities realize that when people move in from out of that community, they're very unwelcomed. If Mm -hmm. your name does not match the names in the cemetery, 
Right. It means your family hasn't been there for 150 years. Right. And if that's the case, you don't have a place sort of at the community table. Right. And you're not welcomed into the parish. Right. I mean, if you move back, if you went to college and bring your husband or your wife back with you, wonderful. You've got family in town. Mm-hmm. As parish communities, we need to be welcoming to the transplants, to the to the people who end up moving for jobs, things like that. Um, as welcoming as we are to those young adults who just come back to the parish. Um it's the osmosis effect of just Catholics in the area will just become engaged parishioners of the parish because they live next to it. That's done. Right. We, the parishioners and the pastors of, of parishes need to engage the people who are coming and who are not coming. So those are my thoughts. Fight or flight. Well said. Very important topic, Father. I'm glad we could dig into it. This might be a topic that we keep coming back to. There might be more nuances and things to unpack there. So if people have more comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us. We'll keep chewing on it in our own respective ministries here in the Midwest. Yeah, do please yeah, do please comment, send in some emails about which side you think best fits, the fight or the flight. But thanks so much for listening. Tune in soon. See ya. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.